Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from innovative thinkers. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Pipeline Plus. Tired of overcomplicated CRM? Pipeline Plus is the easiest business development tool you'll ever use. It helps you organize and focus on your most important relationships with instructional e-learning tutorials and concrete suggestions from our built-in AI. Pipeline Plus gives you everything you need to get new business from your existing network. Visit ackertinc.com to learn more. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert and today our guest is Eva Wisnick, who's the founder of Wisnick Career Enterprises. Eva has placed over 600 marketing professionals and over the past 26 years trained partners at 88 law firms on how to interview legal talent. It's very important to be able to assess talent and sell the top candidates on the firm, uh, much needed skills in today's competitive talent market. Eva, thanks for being with us and uh, we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts. David, I'm super excited to be here today. So thank you so much for inviting me. So we're going to focus on two prongs as we discuss this notion of interviewing for talent. It's going to touch both on the notion of interviewing lawyer talent, like lateral acquisition, lateral talent interviews, but also we've seen a great deal of movement on the legal marketing side of the house. So the tips that you'll be talking about certainly apply there as well. Let's keep that in mind as we move through today's program, and I'll try to ask questions that are broad enough to apply to both sides of the house. Absolutely. And I'd love to address both sides of the house because they're so critical to the success of law firms. Well, let's start with partner interviews. And again, some of these recommendations that you have certainly apply on the marketing side of the house, or frankly, any professional business function at the firm. What are some of the things that you recommend firms keep in mind as they're interviewing talent? So I believe the interview process is really a two-pronged approach. You have two goals going on. One is to assess the talent, and the other one is to sell or market to the talent. And I've often seen, even when I was in law firms for many years, that sometimes the focus would be one prong. There'd be even a borderline interrogation that would go on. Somebody would walk in the door and questions would start with, you know, so how much business can you bring in? Or why should we hire you? Or if somebody had a great resume, then I've seen sometimes partners and other people interviewing just go right into sell mode. And the truth is you really need to have both thoughts in mind in terms of evaluating the talent and selling the talent. So talk to us a little bit about the evaluation side of the house. How do we know that we've got the right person sitting across from us? Because the last thing we want is to sell the wrong person into the firm. Yeah, so I think preparation is really key and communication. Let's talk for a quick second about the marketing professionals you might be interviewing. One thing I have often seen, more often than you could imagine, is that by the time a partner, maybe a head of practice, a major decision maker gets to meet the marketing talent, oftentimes they haven't read the resume, but they also haven't read the job description. They're not even sure why they're hiring this person, right? So I would say anybody who gets in front of a marketing professional at any level, make sure that you actually read the job description so you know why there's a need to hire this person. You can address that because if you can, it makes it for a little bit of an awkward interview. The other thing in both cases is really becoming familiar with the candidate's background. So if you really read the resume before the candidate comes in, there are a couple of things that are going to happen. One is um, you won't start the interview by saying, so tell me about yourself. And I think all of us know that's a code for I've not even looked at your resume. And I'll talk in a second about why that's so important, but you will also not get the max amount of information out of this person because you are trying to read the resume and interview them at the same time. 
So I would say the preparation is really clear and it's important to know why you're interviewing this person. I have seen uh, situations with lateral partners where somebody said, oh, you got to meet with this candidate. They're a great XYZ lawyer or they have a book of business, but that person's background doesn't actually fit into the strategic plan of the firm or that firm doesn't need more help in a certain practice area or it just doesn't make sense. So asking like, is there a really good business reason for us to interview this person? I think that's a starting place. But with that, David, I think one of the things I have really come to believe that it underscores every interview training program I do for law firms is that every interview is a branding opportunity. So what does that mean? That every person that you stand in front of, sit in front of, whether it's an initial interview, whether it's a full round of interviews or a fourth round of interviews, they walk away with an impression of your firm. And, you know, even if you decide you don't want to hire that lateral partner or that CMO or that marketing manager, they will walk away. And that word of mouth, if somebody says, hey, what do you think of XYZ? Or what do you know about XYZ firm? That reputation gets transferred based on their experience with you. So one of the things I really want everybody who's listening to think about is when your attorneys or you yourself, if you're a marketing professional, interview somebody, how you present yourself and the firm and how they leave feeling about that experience, regardless of whether they get an offer or they accept the offer, that goes a very long way. And the last thing I'm going to say there, because I feel so strongly about this, I was recently in Miami doing an interview training program for a law firm. And I said, um, have any of the lawyers here ever had a bad interview experience? And the hiring partner raised her hand, said, 1987, it was at the Capitol Grill. People have this memory that goes so far back. So thinking about reputation, thinking about how people perceive your firm and how they talk about it, that person across the table from you right now might not be somebody you want to hire, but they could be a referral, a future client, or maybe you'll want them one day as a senior attorney or a partner. So just thinking about it as a long-term reputation building process. Those are great thoughts, Eva, and I, you know, certainly can resonate with that, both having been on either side of that interview table over the years, but also, you know, especially in the legal marketing community, it's a small group at the end of the day, and people talk to each other, right? And so oftentimes folks will ask, well, what do you know about XYZ firm? And if the person they're asking had a bad interview, then that ultimately does a disservice to the firm in terms of their reputation. I'm going to hook something else on to it because I've seen it more than ever. And I know how busy people are, but one thing is the interview process. The other one is the follow-up or how you close it out, right? So one of the things that I've been seeing happening because everybody's been so busy hiring for the last two years, both lateral partners and marketing professionals is they just ghost people, right? If you decide you don't want somebody for whatever reason, it might not be comfortable to tell them that, especially if they've invested time and you've invested time, but leaving them out there and never to hear from you, nobody feels good about that. So just something to think about, like closing out the process. Don't just leave it to, well, they'll assume we're not interested because we saw them three times, but we never got back to them. That just leaves us feeling pretty yucky. Yeah, no question. So great tip here. Be mindful of your strategy and be mindful of their background. Don't go into the interview cold and stay away from opening with tell me about yourself. So how should we open interviews? Yeah, great question. So here's what I recommend. And I really think this will serve everybody well. Find something on their resume that you are either sincerely interested in or that you can sincerely compliment and start with an open-ended question. I see that you have a lot of expertise in X, Y, and Z. Tell me about what you enjoy about that most. I see you mentioned you have these XYZ clients or you've built this practice in this specialty. What about that are you most proud of, most passionate about? 
when you get people talking early on in their interviews about things that they're proud of, that they feel good about, it just opens up the energy. And it, I think it makes for a really good exchange. So positive and open-ended, but it's not always easy for lawyers. And I'll tell you why. I love attorneys. I've spent my entire career working with them and I would never trade that for anything. It's been almost 35, 40 years. But as lawyers, they are trained to figure out what's wrong with things. So what that looks like is if you look at a resume and there is a gap, there's something that doesn't make sense. There's something that sticks out. It is instinctive sometimes to start with, you know, and that firm went under, what happened? Or, you know, why did you change firms? Like something that doesn't fit or it feels like there's a, a piece of puzzle that's out of place. If you start the interview with that, the chances of getting to trust, getting to a deeper place, really learning about that person, I think you're shutting down that door. Well, your recommendation makes perfect sense to me. Look at their resume, look at their background, and double-click on a strength or something that opens up the conversation, right? And gives them an opportunity to lean into something that they want to talk about. Makes perfect sense in terms of establishing a foundation for trust. But at the same time, this is a first date, and people are really good on first dates at talking about the things that they talk about on every first date, right? And those things are going to be featured in the resume. So at some point, there has to be some vetting. There has to be yes. some discernment that goes into this process. And I completely hear you. You don't want to start there because that puts us on the back foot, right? But at what point can you transition yes. into that? And in what ways can you transition yes. to that? So yes. that again, we're actually effectively evaluating. As you say, there's yes. evaluating and they're selling. So talk to us about that evaluation. Yes. So there's a transition point. Once you start with something positive, something where they can talk positively about things. But again, if you prepare for that interview beforehand, I want you to actually outline a couple of specific questions so that when you're going off on that tangent about, you know, their favorite place to vacation or something you have in common, you both went to Michigan Law School, you both, you know, grew up in the same suburb, then you can say, you know, what I was really excited to hear about, David, is this particular, you mentioned on your resume that you work extensively in pharmaceuticals. Like, tell me about how you were able to build that up. How did you get your first clients? And then you go there, right? So I am not in any way suggesting you don't go for some of the deep dives. I'm just saying you have to get enough trust and momentum in the conversation. But again, if you know what you want to learn about that person, you're going to get there, right? And I actually think you're better off focusing on maybe one or two areas of the resume and going deeper than trying to cover everything they've done. I also have found that when it comes to lateral partner interviewing, I recommend as a best practice that maybe there's just one or two people that focus on their business because otherwise every partner they meet with starts with the same thing and they feel like they're just saying the same stuff over and over again. So if every person is focused on their ability to bring over business, you're going to miss a lot of other points too, right? right? So I'm not saying don't go for the deep dive and don't ask those behaviorally based questions. Tell me about how you built that business. How do you stay in touch with your clients? Who do you pitch with? Tell me a little bit about what, what associates are working with you most. And do you think they'd be interested in coming over with you? So you can ask those questions, but make sure that you've built enough momentum and ask them again, like in a successful way. The difference between an interview and interrogation is the tone and the timing, the tone and the timing. If I ask you questions looking for ideally positives, but also uncovering other things versus asking questions to figure out what's wrong with you, that's mm -hmm. when people get most offended and turned off, like you're trying to trap them into something. Yeah, I definitely think I agree with you. I don't think they're inconsistent to have momentum and to spend one or two questions building up momentum and say, you know, what I was really excited to hear about is, you know, how did you build this practice? How did you get those clients or for a marketing professional, you know, 
Tell me about, that sounds so interesting how you were able to build a whole social media campaign or, you know, build out a business plan for the entire IP practice. What did that take? Bring me through the process. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense uh, to sort of frame what you just said a little bit differently. It comes down to the interviewer's intention. What is your intention as you're moving into this interview? Is it to have a, a great conversation where you identify synergies, you identify areas where both parties resonate, and at the end of which you can make an informed decision about whether or not this person is a good fit for your team? That's a very clear intention, which is distinct from, I'm going to have a conversation to make sure that nobody pulls the wool over my eyes, right? Which is more of an interrogation, right? And there are certainly a lot of people that approach it, perhaps with that more defensive attitude. And of course, it leaks right into the interview itself. Yeah, and the reputation or how that person walks away feeling, right? Yeah. About yeah. that experience. I think you can get a lot of information from people if you, again, pre-plan, know what your intention is, like you said, identify a few behaviorally-based questions. Let's talk about the difference. A traditional interview question might be, tell me about your weaknesses, or I see that you have always been a corporate finance lawyer, so it's closed and You already come in pre-thinking something, mm -hmm. and you're looking for confirmation of that versus, you know, tell me about how you hope to use that experience when you join a new firm. It's open-ended, right? And open-ended questions will get you information that you might not have anticipated. They are better for establishing and then going deeper. Oh, tell me about that. Bring me through the process. How did you go about doing that? You have to tell me the name of the client, but how did you build that practice? You know, how many hours a week do you spend marketing? Because how to behave in the past it's most likely how they're going to behave when they get to you, right? Sure, sure. So instead of saying like, why are you planning to leave your firm? Like, why do you want to leave your firm? That's kind of a defensive question, right? Yeah. What I would recommend saying, you know, having had the experiences you've had, what would the ideal look like? If you went to a new firm, what is that you would want that might be different than what you've had before? Yes. So I want to circle back to your comment about the weaknesses question. This is a trope, right? Of course, we ask, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And if we do it in that order, we're starting with a positive and then we're leaning into something that's more critical. I'm a fan personally of the weaknesses question when coupled with the strengths. And what I will do is I'll say, look, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Here, let me volunteer one of my weaknesses just so that you know that this is not you know, to put you in a vulnerable spot. But I want to make sure that we can have a candid conversation about where we could offer you additional support were you to join our company, right? So that's the way I like to frame that. Yeah. But maybe yeah. I'm doing something, uh, maybe I'm no, making, taking a misstep here. You know, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I just have a hard time believing that partners are actually going to tell you that. Now, so part of it is most people who work in law firms, like vulnerability is probably their least favorite state to be in, right? Sure. And I think that there are ways to ask that question for, let's say it's a marketing professional, right? The way I would ask that, you know, what haven't you had a chance to learn or do that you know professionally would really benefit you? Oh, that's good. Look for developmental needs, right? So I think it's yeah. a better way to ask the question. I also think that the biggest challenge with all interviews, David, I'm going to tell you this. I'm getting old, so I'm going to tell you the truth because I've interviewed about 10,000 professionals since 1989, right? Mm -hmm. Is that when people, I believe, really ever rely on interviews, I don't think that's the challenge. I think they don't know themselves well enough. Sure. So what happens is there's always a leap of faith when you're hiring people. What they tell you in an interview, what you hear is not necessarily going to be how they perform. So my goal is to narrow that leap of faith to make it as small as possible. And that's where behavioral stuff comes in better because then you're looking for evidence of past behaviors. But I remember like when I was um, head of recruiting at Cadwalder many years ago, I was interviewing somebody right out of college. I think she was coming out of Georgetown. 
And I really, I personally like to surround myself with very organized people because I'll be honest with you, I'm very focused. I'm very strategic. I am not a super detailed person, right? I surround myself with the most organized, detailed people. I've developed systems, but it is not how my brain works. It works much more big picture. So I was looking for a very organized, detail-oriented assistant. And she came in and she had a day timer. Remember when people used to carry around those big day timers? Oh, yeah. And I got so excited. My God, this woman carries a day timer with her. She must be super organized. Well, somebody gave it to her as a graduation gift and I never saw it again, <laughs> right? But if you say like, how do you track things? Like, tell me like, what's your system for tracking how you keep in touch with your clients? Yeah. Hard to make that one up on a spot, right? Yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. so I, I think we're on the same page. We're just approaching it you know, from different angles. So I think I rather do it that way, especially if there's something I'm worried about. I think one of the best thing a firm can do and I've been doing this with the firms I've been doing lateral partner trainings with. I've been doing more of those in the last year than I've ever done before. I make them think about what hasn't worked. So I'll say, okay, I interview partners before I create the program. And one of the things I ask them is like, think about the people you most enjoy working with that you trust that you bring to pitch meetings and describe them to me. Tell me about the characteristics of people that you want to have on your cases and what is it about them? So then we try to get the traits. But I will also say, especially to leadership, I want you to picture somebody you hired in the last two years that you had great hopes for and they flamed out. Yeah. What was it about them? Let's look backwards. So we can look for red flags. Like for example, somebody who is me, 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 I do everything. I like people who don't talk in we, but they talk in I terms, people who are super demanding upfront. And especially if they're trying to rush the process, I think that's made people look back and say, oh, there was something going on. They're probably being asked to leave their current firm. That's where they were rushing the process. So you could look back and see maybe some red flags. I also highly recommend that there's maybe one partner who maybe is on the comp committee or on leadership who really is the partner who talks some more about the business stuff. I think it's awesome if you can arrange this to have one partner who shepherds them through the process, who's their point person, because integration starts at the interview process, right? So it, does that take a lot of work and coordination? It does, but what's the price of getting this wrong? Yeah, and firms pay it every day. I can so see as you are sharing your perspective how critical it is that firms invest in some sort of interview training because a lot of these things would not necessarily occur to someone. They would certainly never carve out the preparation time required to reflect on where have our historical successes been, our historical failures. Let's make sure we don't repeat those uh, mistakes. And also let's figure out how to structure the interview so that it really is optimized to produce the intended result. And how amazing will it look to a great lateral partner candidate who maybe will end up with a few offers if they see that you're all working together and rowing in the same direction? They're going to go, wow, these guys and women are coordinated. They articulate very similar messages. I feel like this is a cohesive leadership here. And I think that's what people are looking for. Do you have any additional thoughts as it pertains to landing the best lateral partners and avoiding any sort of key mistakes or, or red yeah. flags? Well, one of the things is, you know, I'm a big believer in the six degrees of separation. So, you know, obviously you don't want to jeopardize anybody's privacy if they're going through the process and, you know, and like you can't call their references while they're interviewing, but there's a possibility 
oftentimes somebody at your current firm has worked with them or went to school with them and knows them, right? So if there's a way to do due diligence during the process, right? And um, I think that that's really helpful because there's going to be no better confidence builder that you're making the right decision than somebody saying, I work with them. I've been on a case with them. They're responsive. They return phone calls. They're ethical. I knew that woman from law school and she was somebody who people really enjoyed working with and led teams, right? So just stepping back and thinking about that for a second, because there's a quite a possibility that could be something that would happen. I think that one of the big mistakes when I was doing all this due diligence myself with the specific firms I was working with is recognizing that somebody having great contacts does not mean they can bring in business. So you know, I'm not saying you should never hire somebody who's coming from in-house or from the government or from other things, but do they have a plan, right? How are they going to leverage those contacts, right? Because what I've seen happen is sometimes people get very enamored with somebody's resume, the fact that they come out of some prestigious organization, government, whatever, and we just go all the way to, they'll be a great addition and maybe a rainmaker. And that doesn't always translate. So great contacts don't always mean business development. I think if you're way down the road with somebody, I think asking them, what would your 60, 90 day plan look like business development wise? This is probably where you can help them tremendously too. But knowing that they have a plan, it's not just a great idea, right? Yeah, no, that's great. And you know what you're pointing at, again, you made this point earlier in our interview is how they approach this is how they approach everything. This is just a snippet into how they think, how they prepare for things and how ultimately they optimize an opportunity. I love that. And that goes back to what we're talking about marketing professionals or legal talent, where if somebody doesn't do their homework, that for me already signals something, including their professionalism and preparation, right? So are they prepared? Do they do their due diligence? Do they come in asking good questions? Um, because that shows that they're invested too in whatever they're doing. Um, and they should have a better answer for why they're interviewing with your firm better than a head under thought would be a good place to go check out, right? That's right. So I want to circle back to the references, if only to validate something that you said with my own personal experience. You know, whenever someone gives references, you know what you're going to hear. Oh, they're great. And, you know, they'd be a great get for you. And I have nothing critical yeah. to say about them. You know, if anything, it's just there to make you feel a little bit better about what you've probably already decided you're going to do at that point anyway, right? You're just looking for any kind of last minute hesitation that might be validated. And you're not going to find mm -hmm. it in the uh, references that the candidate actually provides. Um, the times when I have looked at someone's background and said, oh, they worked in such and such a firm? Well, I know the managing partner at that firm, or I know the CMO at that firm. Let me go find out what their side of the story is. Does this person check out or not, right? Because I already have that personal relationship, yeah. and I can kind of get a little bit more uh, context around it. I understand there are two sides to every story, uh, and so I take all of it with a grain of salt. But I do find that if that person, who wasn't even provided as a reference, but who is a contact of mine, and I reach out to kind of check it out, if they say, oh, no, no, this candidate's great, you should go for it, that is much more meaningful to me yeah. than to call the reference that was provided and hear that same thing. So I agree with you. I think we just have to be a little bit careful if the person's employed there. I just did some references for a senior person I just placed and the firm asked me to do the references, right? And that happens occasionally. I think the questions you ask are the most critical piece of the reference. Mm. So I will ask them, describe this person to me. What's their work style like? Open-ended question. Yeah. I'll say, um, in their next job, where do you think they can continue to grow? You know, what, what do you think they need to like, not what's wrong with them? 
So to me, what I'm trying to say to you is that I do think references can provide some good information if you ask the right questions. I think it, obviously if you know somebody they've worked with very well, I just get a little bit nervous that I've seen partners and I just pick up the phone, call people's firms and and I've seen that stuff backfire when the person's still employed. I think that that is something sure. that is a no-no and it happens. But I think that what you ask is as important as who you ask. I mean, if it's a yeah. peer, if somebody says, you know, call my colleague who sat next to me, my other manager, I mean, that's pretty useless to me. It has to be somebody they reported to, right? Yeah, so I right. agree with you that it's tricky, but I wouldn't say it's useless. What I see, if I do three references, I'll see a theme. There'll be some of the same words used. And at least that gives me confirmation, right? But with that, I think one of the things I really want to underscore for anybody's listening is where the biggest mistakes are made in hiring at all levels is when we ignore our gut and mm. we, we override red flags. Mm. And I'll tell you this because I've seen it. So what I'll do to a firm with a firm is I'll say, okay, can we, um, let's say for summer associates, because I do a lot of interview training with law firms before they go on campus and you're hiring. I'll say to them, can we look at last year's files? Let's say you had 30 summer associates last year and let's look at who interviewed them. Let's see who exceeded expectations by the end of summer. Oftentimes when somebody didn't do as well as they thought they would, one or two lawyers mentioned something, but during the recruiting committee, it was overridden by what, but they go to X school and they're top of their class. And I think for most of us listening who hire people for our teams or partners who hire, there was something where we rationalized the decision. Right. It is very rare where somebody just completely just doesn't fit, but we had no clue. It happens, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Our own bias colors that picture a little more than perhaps we'd like to admit sometimes. Yeah. And that goes back to, you know, like how much you have in common with somebody is not necessarily the best reason to hire them. That's right. No, no, we should hire them. I really like them. They're a great guy. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, these are uh, not the qualifiers on the job description. A hundred percent not. And I also just want to point out, and I know we're about to close our interview here, but I remember um, at the beginning of COVID when all these interviews were taking place virtually and I was building out a program for a firm and uh, the former partner who's now in charge of ladder partner hiring full time told me that she had never really sat in on all the interviews, but she was sitting in on them kind of, you know, with her screen down and she could not believe the conversations that were taking place. They weren't necessarily inappropriate. They just were ineffective. Uh, a lot of like, oh, you know, Joe, I know Joe. Oh, your kid plays soccer there. My kid. And she said she could not have believed how non-focused, intentional, productive these conversations were. So, you know, I'm, I think some people are fantastic interviewers. And when you figure out who is because you see their comments and you see how they play out and how they spot talent and are really spot on in terms of their process, get them really involved with the process yeah. and really reward them for that. But just kind of keep track of, you know, what's working and what's not and keep tweaking, but behaviorally based questions, making sure people are prepared for interviews, moving the process along and thinking of every interview as a branding opportunity. I think those are some keys to this whole thing. Those are great takeaways, Eva. Well, thank you so much. It's so clear yeah. that when a firm works with you, they would be taking their interviews to the next level. And yeah. the thoughtful ways that you phrase the questions and uh, the intention that you help firms bring to the whole process so that ultimately the outcome is a reflection of what they want and not necessarily what they've habitually been doing uh, is really important. So I so appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us today. 
That's great. Yeah. And our website, wisnick.com, www.wisnick.com has all the information on there. And it is a program that I truly love because at the end of the day, what are law firms if it's not all about talent? That's the key to all their success, whether it's marketing professionals, future lateral partners, it's all about the talent. So thank you so much for having me here today, David. It's been a pleasure. All right, everyone, www.wisnick.com. Check it out. Eva, thanks for being with us. Today's episode was brought to you by Ackert, the company that solves business development problems for professionals around the world. Visit ackertinc.com to learn more about our consulting, coaching, and technology solutions.